Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, welcome back, Arizona. Beautiful morning out there. And it looks like uh, got some lines to get busy with, so we get right to the phones. And we do have one line open, the number to call for Julia, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. William in Phoenix, good morning. Hello? Hi, how are you? Hi, good, yourself? Excellent. I just heard your program right now. I'm from Tucson and up here... I don't know where somewhere in Phoenix they're watching a ball game. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you're having fun. <laughs> but I heard the program and I'm from Tucson, but I've noticed uh, pecan trees and, and things like that in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Um, they grow a lot over there. Um, do you guys sell those? Absolutely, and pecan trees do. They do well here. They do well in Tucson. You know, when you get south of Tucson along the river, there's a lot of pecan groves. Right, right. Um, also, mulberry. You know, I grew up with mulberry. The fruit mulberry. We've got fruiting mulberries. You could you could take some home to Tucson, uh, Bill, and, and plant them down at your place down there. And so you keep all that in stock, huh? All the time, oh. yes, sir. Yeah, they don't. They kind of outlawed it down there in Tucson. I don't. Well, mulberries were outlawed because they were male mulberries. Okay, so the females have never been outlawed. The ones that produce fruit. So those right. have always been fine because they don't produce pollen. They don't produce fruit. You know, they produce fruit instead. So they've always been legal. And uh, pecan trees do well in Tucson. You know, oh, that, yeah. that's what pecan tree's name in Spanish is Nogales. So that's the pecan tree city. Never knew that. And I'm Hispanic. <laughs> you, Bill, really? you're probably not Hispanic. You're probably Mexican-American or Mexican. <laughs> That's what yeah, my right. that's what my friend from Tucson tell me anyway, <laughs> and, and their family's been yeah. there for three hundred years. So, <laughs> yeah, mine's been there um, ever since. I mean, so. well, have fun at the ball game. Thanks for calling us today. Well, thank you. Whitfield is called. Yeah, Whitfield Nursery. We have one in Gilbert. We've got one in South Phoenix. Might be the easiest one to catch on the way out to Tucson, just south of the uh, I ten, off straight, straight yeah. south of Sky Harbor Airport. We're open today till four. Hey. What time? Till four. Okay. All right. All right. Thank I'm you. All right. Thank Have you. fun at the ball game. Bye bye. Yeah, our poor cats. They lost by one run yesterday to Stanford. But anyway, girls are still playing. Uh, Megan in Phoenix. Good morning, Megan. Good morning. Um, I have leaf-footed bug on my pomegranates. Do mm-hmm. I have any options? Already? Well, I, we had them last year. Okay, so, so yes, the option is carefully. this, is what you want to do is is this year, before the pomegranates start to ripen and get the sugar content up, which is September, okay? So the end of August, you want to bag them. You can put like a little mesh bag that goes over them, or you could even put a paper uh-huh. bag with a rubber band. But uh, uh-huh. the birds and the bugs like the pomegranates as well as we do. But if you'll bag them individually, uh, they won't be able to uh-huh. find them and get in. And uh, then you just leave the bags on until they ripen. And most of them here in the Valley ripen, you know, around Thanksgiving time or so. Yeah. Okay. So the little bags. Got it. Okay. We will do that. All right. Thanks, Megan. Bye-bye. Henry in Phoenix. Good morning, Henry. 
Hi. Hey, uh, Brian, again, I wanted to just ask about uh, uh, the, the ryegrass versus the Bermuda. Yeah, I still have ryegrass, but I don't see the Bermuda coming through. Okay, so um, the real thing, Henry, this time of year is it's transition time. In fact, we're a little bit late. But what we need to do is we need to make a concentrated effort to kill the rye. Uh, rye grass that we have nowadays is perennial rye. We used to have annual, which knew how to die with dignity. But this perennial rye grass will linger, and it'll last all the way in through maybe even the end of June. So if you want your Bermuda grass lawn to be healthy, we want to kill the rye. So what to do to kill the rye is to not mow the rye, let it grow tall, and shut off the water. And, uh, you know, like many of us, it really likes the cooler weather better than the heat. And if we'll let it exhaust itself by not mowing and not watering, uh, you'll probably find within a week or so it'll get pretty wilty and start to kind of keel over a little bit. At that time, come back and scalp it. Just the same way you would scalp to plant rye in the in the fall, and that'll kill the rye, and then you water heavily afterwards, fertilize, your Bermuda grass will come back with a vengeance because Bermuda loves 105. Right. Right. Well, um, I guess my landscape guy did suggest scalping. Mm-hmm. Could he just come in and scalp? With no. The what the problem is, if you don't kill the rye first, okay, the rye is right. going to main be there still. So what we want to do is we want to kill it. And it's going to take this, you know, effort to really kill it because the difference is when we're trying to plant, you know, ryegrass in the fall is the days are getting shorter. Right now, the days are getting longer. That's when Bermuda grass thrives. Ryegrass doesn't thrive with the long days. Okay. But. If we cut it short, the ryegrass has a chance because it's not trying to feed so much grass to linger and last longer. So what we want to do is make sure we kill it. So to kill it, we want to let it grow tall, shut the water off, scalp it, and then turn the water back on. Okay, shut water off. And then scalp. Yeah, so we'll let it grow. I mean, you got to shut the water off. You let it get tall and shaggy, like the hippies out in San Francisco do. And once it gets long and shaggy, then we're going to scalp it. Okay. and so after we scalp it, then we start watering? Yes. After you scalp it, then, then you come back, fertilize and water heavily, and the Bermuda grass will come in. What is heavily considered? Um, well, you, you know, know the, best way, the best way to water your lawn, I can't tell you the minutes because there's all different kinds of heads, okay? But the best way to water a Bermuda grass lawn is to take a, and I like to use a tuna fish can because it has straight sides on it. You could do it with a cup or a bowl, too. But a tuna fish can's got straight sides. So you put that out there in the lawn, and you run your irrigation system till it collects an inch of water. And an inch of water is going to get the moisture down in most soils here in the valley about a foot deep. Okay, And you'll probably do that the first, to first kick it off two cycles. So maybe do the two cycles like three days apart. Okay, After that, take a screwdriver out in the ground after you run your inch of water. That's how long you run it. Stick it in the ground. When the ground's dry, then you water again. Okay. Okay? You know, what's interesting is this is the first year that I've actually planted the winter grass, mm-hmm. and so I never had an issue before. Um, because well, that's because your Bermuda grass already greened up back in March and was fine. Your rye grass is very detrimental to your Bermuda grass. Oh, jeez. Okay. That's, okay. How come people don't talk about that? Nobody, well, I never hear it. I talk about it every week. Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why I have the show. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Brian. Henry. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got uh, at the right order, Sandy in Queen Creek. Hi, Sandy. Hi, this is Sandy. Uh, I have a question for you about our Sega Palm. Mm-hmm. I was wondering 
if it's okay to trim because the new palms have have sprouted up mm-hmm. and opened up and was wondering if it's uh if we can trim the old ones off I would make sure that they've already matured first, Sandy. So once the new head pops out and is hardened, okay? So they come out, they're like really soft, and you want to touch them all the time. And they're just, they're really cool when they first come out and they pop that whole head. Let that head come out and mature. So give it a week or two after the new head comes out so that the, those fronds have hardened so you're not going to damage them while you're pruning. And then come through and prune okay. the next next row off. Okay. So, so this would be um, the... The heads actually have opened up already. Okay, but let them open up and wait a week or two. Okay. So once the new cut heads come and open up, wait a week or two so that the fronds okay. kind of mature and they kind of harden. Okay, if not, right. when you're in there pruning, if you hit them, you'll damage them and they'll be scarred until the, you know, you'd remove those. So let, let them harden first, okay, and, okay. and then come back Thank and prune, you. okay? Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sandy. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Dawn in Phoenix. Good morning, Dawn. Good morning. Love the show. Thanks for being part of it. Okay. You probably discussed this on previous shows, but I'm trying to grow a lemon tree in a concrete pot in our, um, in our courtyard mm-hmm. and I've had no luck. The pot's three foot high. Uh, this will be the second tree that's going to fade away. The leaves are falling off. I don't even know if I can revive it. I see some light green, new leaves growing, but is there a trick? What are you using for soil and how are you watering? Well, I, I did a combination, just some um, dirt, some mulch, and um, garden soil. Okay. And I'm watering uh, once a week, like a deep watering. Okay. So does your water leach through the pot when you water? Run out the bottom? Yes, it does. Okay. Uh-huh. So that should be good. I would check the soil, you know, up close to where the root ball of the tree was he planted and, and make sure that it gets dry about the top inch or two, but has some moisture down below. Okay, and then the easiest way to fertilize one in a container like that is to use a product called Osmocote. And Osmocote is a slow-release fertilizer you can put on it, and it will last for about 60 days here in the summertime. So you can yeah, feed it once every 60 days. I, I used a citrus fertilizer last week, and then these leaves started falling off. So well, that, it's kind of, of a sign you might have put too much fertilizer on. Could be. Well, is that, does that doom and gloom for the tree? Or? Not necessarily, no. What you want to do now, if you, if you think you put too much fertilizer, and that's if you, if you put the fertilizer on to change you know, fast and the leaves are burnt and falling. Um, what, falling is a good thing, too, by the way. But what you want to do is leach it. So you want to take a hose and put it there and let's let it run for two or three hours, and that'll push okay. most of that fertilizer out of the pot. And way down the ground, you know, bye-bye to the fertilizer, and then just see if it pops back out. Do you have the trunk wrapped to protect it from the sun? Uh, no, because it's in the courtyard, so it doesn't get too much sun. Okay, and then it should be fine. So, yeah, if you think okay. you've got too much fertilizer, it's a little hot, just leach it out, put the hose there, let it run slow all day, and uh, it'll leach the fertilizer away from the soil, and uh, then it should pop back up. You might try a little shot of a product called Super Thrive, and you can buy Super Thrive pretty much in any nursery or garden center, and it's just vitamins and hormones, but it's not fertilizer. It doesn't have the nitrogen to burn, and that might help it pop back out. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks for your information. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Looks like we have to take a short break. And while we're gone, we do have two lines open. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. It's Julian Bryan and uh, Taylor Kinner up here with the news today on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM KTAR.
is where I'd settle down I thought I'd die an old man back in my hometown They gave me this plot of land Me and some other men For a job well done There's a big white house It's on a hill just up the road He cried the day they brought me home They folded up a flag And told my mom and dad We're proud of your son And I'm proud to be on this peaceful piece of property I'm on sacred ground and I'm in the best company I'm thankful for those, thankful for the things I've done. I can rest in peace. I'm one of the chosen ones. I made it to Arlington. I remember Daddy brought me here when I was eight. We searched all day to find out where my granddad laid. And when we finally found that cross He said, son, this is what it costs To keep us free Now here I am a thousand stones away from him He recognized me on the first day I came in And it gave me a chill When he clicked his heels to be on this peaceful piece of property I'm on sacred ground and I'm in the best of company And I'm thankful for those thankful for the things I've done I can rest in peace I'm one of the chosen ones I made it to Arlington Welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. We'll get right to the phones. We do have two lines open. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Howard in Peoria. Good morning, Howard. Hi. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Great, sir. Uh, Birds are loving my ripening red tomatoes. I have two large rolls of saran wrap. Can Can I wrap the entire plant without harming it in this uh, warm temperature. Okay, you mean it's like a shade cloth type product? No, it's an actual, you know, restaurant saran. Yeah, no, that's um, going to kill them. <laughs> That'll kill the plants. <laughs> That'll take care of the oh, bird problem. You won't have to worry about it anymore. The tomatoes will all die. <laughs> yeah, so what, what you I'll want ba- to do is get I'll some shade cloth. Them. Yeah, you, you need to get like a light shade cloth or bird netting. And you can buy bird okay. netting or, sh- or the shade cloth. You know, most nurseries are garden centers. And uh, what you really want to do is you want to stick a few stakes in there and frame it up over the top so that uh, they're not touching the, the tomato vines because they'll grow in and make it so you can open and close it. But, no, you, you can't take the air away or else you'll have problems. Yeah, okay. All right, well, I have all the saran wrap. I thought maybe it Well, saran wrap's a great thing. I love it. I love those big commercial rolls, you know, we have down at the farm. I wrap all kinds of things in it, but not plants. Yeah, okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Let's see. Next, we have Mark in Phoenix. Good morning, Mark. 
Hi, good morning, Brent. How are you, sir? Great, sir. Thanks. All right. I'm, uh, I got a question about uh, roses. Uh, about six weeks ago, uh, lots of flowers. So now I'm worrying about uh, I'm worrying about pruning them. And I've heard that you know you you trim above the five leaf thing. How do you trim roses to get new ones? Well, like these are hi- these are hybrid tea roses, Mark. Uh, these are actually uh, Casino Royale and Double Delights, okay. things like that. Yep. So what yep. we're going to do is co- cut those back for the blooms and realize that we're not going to produce the bloom quality now that we did last month. You know, okay. this, this is the time of year when roses go, oh, man, it's hot out here. What, what are they doing to us? But it's also the reason right. why we grow millions of roses here in Arizona is because yeah. we're dry. We don't have mildew and the other problems. We just have heat and the leaves get burnt. So, you know, basically you can just prune back the long stems. Are they old plants or young plants? Oh, they've been there for about, uh, they're established about four, uh, actually about six years. Yeah, so I wouldn't be pruning them back as much this time of year to try and get the long stem flowers because you're not going to. But if you'll take it, and it depends on how much you pruned them before, what the buds are shaped like. But when you see what the bud comes off, you know, and then you have the stem that comes back up. So you want to leave that probably at least three or four leaves if it's a normal, say, a 12 or 14-inch stem, at least three or four sets of leaves and prune it back in there. But what we're doing right now, we're not going to generate those long, big, pretty blooms that we did, you know, in the spring. And we're going to kind of just keep them healthy for the summertime. And and then we're going to fertilize pretty heavy in September and cut them back then, not as much as we did in January, but cut them back heavy then. And then we'll be taking away this pruning that we're doing for the summer and we'll fertilize them so that in October, November, December, we can come out with beautiful long stem roses again. Good. So I guess what I'm saying now, there's a bunch of, I mean, they bloom beautiful. I give my mom uh, some new flowers every three days, and uh, now they're all dead, so I'm just wondering, I'm just the dead ones off from this yeah, one. Yeah, and you're basically for this time of year, you're just going to trim the plant back by maybe 20-30%. Take those long stems okay. off. Where the long stems came out, the ones you didn't harvest to take to mom, just leave about three sets of leaves and cut those off and, and just prune the plant back. And it's going to come out and bloom some more this summer, but you're not going to get the quality of blooms that you had in the spring. And uh, So is fertilizer is fertilizer necessary after I Well, you know, a light, a light dose right now, depending on what you used in the spring, is not going to just rose food, yeah. Just your, your basic <laughs> rose food is, is going to be fine. You can give them one okay. last light dose right now, but then we're not going to really feed them again until August. It's downtime for the summer. Okay. Yeah, well, they, they, they have to rest. And it's not that they really rest. They'll keep putting out foliage and growing. And you'll get some blooms, but the blooms will come oh, out. beautiful be, Well, they won't be so beautiful in the summer. They'll be much smaller, and, and the buds won't be as pretty. But um, All right. the plants will be healthy, and then they'll come through, and we'll cut them back in the fall, and you come back with beautiful blooms again. All right. Thanks again, Brian. All awesome. Right. Thanks, Mark. Love your show. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Michelle, then John. Then we've got a couple open lines, folks. The number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven 877-KTAR. Good morning, Michelle. Hi. How are you? Great. Thanks for asking. Uh, I have a couple quick questions. Uh, one first is about bougainvilleas. Um, right now, they look great, but... Eventually, we get all the little bugs eating the leaves and such. Mm-hmm. When should we put on something to, should we put something to stop that from happening? Or should we wait until we see the whole starting and then apply, like, can we use seven? Or what should we use for that? Well, truthfully, with the bougainvillea, is like the last three or four years, okay, we've had some, like, little bagworms, caterpillars that are feeding on them, which is completely new here to the valley. This, this species of worms has just changed. So we really don't want to treat for the worms until they appear. They normally are going to appear somewhere around the first part of August. Okay, 
And okay. if you just kind of watch for them, when you see the buds in the end start to go, ah, that's the time to treat. In the meantime, there's no really reason to treat. The only thing you'll see on a much this time of year are circles cut in the leaves, and that's from cutter okay. bees, and that really doesn't harm the plant at all. They just use those to make their nest. Okay. And they're usually not too greedy. They take a little bit of building material away every once in a while. But um, and, and historically, we never had to spray bug MVS at all. But watch for them in August. And uh, mark your calendar. Check for check the you know bogan vias in August, about the first part of August when they show up. And um, if if you see them that time, you want to spray them with some BT to keep the caterpillars down. Spray them with what? BT, the Bacillus thuringiensis. It's a bacteria, basically. Okay. And so the difference between okay. that and seven, seven is just poison. Okay. Okay. And, and seven can kill you or anything else. Um, the BT um, we put on is a bacteria that when it's ingested by the caterpillars, it kills the caterpillars. And what's kind of cool, it's a naturally occurring bacteria that, that, you know, sometimes would be in soil in different places and different parts of the world. But, it you know, it's a very safe alternative that is very specific to the caterpillars. It doesn't really go into our, you know, our system and doesn't harm, doesn't make Mother Nature mad, in other words, Michelle. Okay. Okay. So if we get on our... Um like on our hibiscus and that, we could use it on that too? Well, they don't bother hibiscus. That's That same oh, okay. uh, caterpillar doesn't, it bothers Arizona yellow bells. It's specific to those in okay. Bougainvillea. Okay. okay. So my other question was about our citrus trees. Um, as the leaves are growing out, they're really curly and mm-hmm. um, they don't look nice and pretty like the other leaves on the tree. Right. I don't know if that's just as they're coming out and then they'll spread out but I notice sometimes they stay kind of wrinkly like that. No, that's caused Um, by a little insect called thrip. And what thrip mm-hmm. does is it goes in when the leaf's first coming out and it scars the tissue. And then as the leaf okay. grows and expands and it's misshapen and curled, you know, and, and um, thrip is a, you know, very common citrus pest here in the valley. It's one that we don't treat for at all in our commercial groves. Well, we treat for it once okay. a year just so the fruit doesn't have the scars on it. And we use a product called spinosad, and that's the active ingredient. But um, we only do one application a year. And the reason why is because thrip have about a two-week life cycle and they come back and reproduce and reproduce and reproduce so if you tried to spray the thrip and keep them off your citrus you would have to rotate chemicals four or five times a year and spray every two weeks but if you just leave them alone uh, the little green dragonflies that you oftentimes see on citrus they're late larvas those are called lace wings their larvas are like little alligators and they run around and they eat the thrips that's what they party on and then there's these other little insects called pirate bugs that uh, look like uh, the, the well, they're kind of cool. They shape like a pirate hat. And I maybe let's go eat some thrips. And uh, you know, and we've actually put those into our groves and inoculated them with them. But we found that they've retained very well, and they reduce dramatically the, the population of thrip. The other thing you do to control thrip in your garden is to have plants in bloom a lot of time. So if you have like lantanas and you just you know have a lot of different things, maybe some lavenders and maybe some rosemary, and you keep things in bloom in your garden, and you have more biodiversity, these good insects have big populations. And so whenever the bad guys come, they'll fly over to your citrus tree and eat the thrips. And what you can usually find on your tree, if you go out and look at your citrus tree now where all the curly leaves are, you'll see a leaf and it looks like a little tiny string with a white dot on the end of it. And that's the lacewing egg. And when that hatches out, the little alligator from that egg goes out and munches them. But I've got to let you go right now because Taylor Kinner up slid in the office and she's giving me the evil eye because I'm over time on the 8.30 break. Hey, thanks for calling. Have a nice weekend. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
Okay, Taylor, you can have the phones and you can have the air. And it's all you, Taylor. Thank you. <laughs> one of my favorites and it seems suitable today so i hope you guys enjoyed it out there oh leave it to julia she's you know she's always got to have the best song of the week welcome back folks uh, we do have two lines available the number to call 602-277-5827 277-KTAR john and sun city good morning good morning sir hey i have a question for you about a honeysuckle hedge i got a one that's about seven feet tall probably three feet thick and i want to take a, a foot off the top and a foot off the thickness mm-hmm. is it okay to do that this time of year not or? on cape honeysuckle I, I would wait till fall um okay the problem is that wood can really sunburn and we're, we're just you know you're a few weeks too late had you done it back in april it'd be okay but it's uh yeah. it's past the time and if you cut it back now you're likely to really burn the plant so a little bit of pruning just to keep it back in shape but don't prune it back so far as to expose the wood Okay, and so I can wait till say we get our first freeze, so to speak. Well, no, not even then. I mean, a good time to prune Cape honeysuckle is going to be uh, so the first, the end of September. 
You know, because oh, it's okay. got a great bloom cycle that'll happen in the fall. And if you want to cut it back and you want to leave it so the days are long enough so it has a chance to grow back. But the end right. of September, you know, the days are a lot shorter, and um, that time of weather, you know, it's going to be weather about the same as it is today, probably, but it's going the other direction. You know, we're not going to be going into the chances of being, you know, super hot and dry. So into September, sure. if you prune it back, it'd be fine. You know, and kind of a trick is if you'll prune it partway back, so maybe first take the height off, then let it come back some, and then take the width off instead of doing it all at once or, you know, vice versa. If you'll leave part of the plant and tack when you're pruning it in the fall, uh, it'll come back and regenerate a lot faster. So you would maybe cut the face of it off one week, you know, and then leave it about two or three weeks, let it bud back out, and then cut the top off. Okay, got it. All right, well, thank you very much for the information. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. John. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got Greg and Tempe. Good morning, Greg. Hey, good morning. I've got a row of mature ficus trees along the back wall of my backyard between uh, the back wall and the pool. And I'm trying to figure out what to plant under there. I'd like to have something kind of tropical. Uh, it's about a five-foot wide strip that I can use. What directions it face? What kind of exposure? Well, yeah, so it, everything's north-south, north, and this would be along the, the north wall, so the exposure, I guess, would be to the south. Okay, so it'd be south-facing. That's ideal. I'm so glad you said that instead of the other side. <laughs> it gives us all kinds of options. So, you know, so you got a five-foot bed in front of your ficus hedge facing south. You can grow, you know, anything from like an iceberg rose, which would be that bright white flower, you know, color combination with the ficus to tropical things like hibiscus, or you could plant lantana. Um, So the south side, you've just got a whole plethora of color. Yeah, and this is actually going to be kind of under the canopy of the ficus. Well, the, so be, if you'll thin the, if you'll keep the, you know, the ficus. Well, the south side, you're still going to get sun, though. How wide is the ficus? Yes. How wide are they? Um, they're they're trimmed right up to about that five foot mark because of the pool. So I keep the branches away from the pool, if you will. Okay. So on that south side, you'll be fine. You know, and for around a pool, hibiscus are great because, you know, they're tropical and pretty, but they also have those flowers that just kind of fall and melt so they don't blow around yeah. like a bougainvillea would. So that would be a very good one to use. Even the Arizona yellow bells are kind of that way. And and if you want something just kind of dark green to kind of mix in there, you could mix in some uh, boxwood beauty natal plum would do very well. So you have a lot of options there. And, uh, you know, you've probably even got enough room if you wanted a smaller palm in there. You could even grow like a sago palm or a uh, pygmy date palm in there to, to break up the tropical feel. So you've got yeah, a lot I of thought options about there. I thought about that sago. My neighbor's got one out front, and it's big. I mean, it grows really wide and tall, I think, doesn't it? When well, it you know, in the sun, there their heads are more compact. Now, if you plant a sago out there this time of year, it's going to burn this summer. It's going to turn yellow, but it'll live. And and then after the first year, it'll stay green in the summertime. And, um, you know, sagos are really cool in behind a pool like that because they're so easy to maintain. You know, and they'll, they'll right. stay there, you know. They'll get, you know, eight feet tall in 60 years, 70 years. So it takes a while. Very cool. All right. Well, appreciate it. Yeah, come in and see us, Greg. You know, I mean, you're right there in the neighborhood in Tempe, and we got all different kinds of things that'll work. Yeah, we'll do. All right. Appreciate thank, it. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Barbara and Surprise. But after Barbara, we've got open phones. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Good morning, Barbara. 
Hi, can you hear me? Very clearly, Barbara. You sound spry and happy and ready to go this morning. (laughs) Well, this is my third phone call on my grapefruit tree. There's always something going wrong with it. It's really big and old. Now it looks like something is eating the leaves. I haven't seen a caterpillar. Mm-hmm. What do I spray it with? Well, you don't necessarily have to spray. There are big caterpillars that do like to eat the leaves and even big grasshoppers. Oh, and you can okay. spray them with BT, but we usually don't because, you know, on a big grapefruit, it'll produce more leaves and they'll hurt. And some of oh, those okay. caterpillars make the most beautiful black and yellow butterflies around the valley. And we don't see oh, them as okay. commonly now as since we don't have as much citrus, but um, they're really not going to do any long-term damage to your citrus tree. Oh, okay. So I can just leave it? Yeah. And, cool. and, and if you want to find it, if you look up there, it looks like a turkey or maybe a, you know, a large bird flew up on your tree. They're going to be a big gray caterpillar. And... Uh, and they look like a bird dropping, so they're easy, they're easy to spot. They don't they're not made to uh, you know hide with the green. They're they're not camouflaged. They look like a, a big dropping from a large bird. Mm. And my yeah, my lantanas, some of them look like they might need something. They're, do you think they need more water, or is that just normal? Cause how, how, how long have they been planted, Barbara? Oh, 20 years. Probably. Okay, so they're tough. So, you know, a 20-year-old lantana, if you water it once every two weeks, is more than adequate. You know, if you want to cut it back and fertilize it and have it grow faster so you can trim more, have at it. Great. Okay, well, thanks so much. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Well, that leaves us. This is unusual, Julia. We're the, the latter, latter part of the program with open phones. We're going to take a short break, but while we're gone, we have... Wide open phones. I don't think we've had wide open phones in the end of the program for a long time. Give Julia a call. If you've never called before, it's a great time to get in. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful day out here. The breeze looks like it's coming back up, but it's sunshiny and warm. So whether you want to go out and uh, play a little golf, do a little swimming, or if you're going to do mountain climbing, you better get earlier. Wait till tomorrow. But uh, beautiful day out there. We'll be right back. We've got wide open phones during the break. The number to call for Julia is 602-277-5827. It's Brian and Julia here every Sunday morning with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM KTAR. Ray Charles, Julia, I don't know. I am the wings of grace. 
song I think ever sang. Anyway, I want to take a moment and invite you out to Whitfield's. You know, Whitfield's, we grow trees. 15 gallons through big 72-inch box, one tree, or if you need a thousand palms, we grow them all right here in Arizona. Hundreds of acres of trees grown here. We're actually larger than Arizona's largest grower of palm trees. Whatever your vision is for that perfect landscape, whether it's tropical, desert, you want to grow some fruit at home, um, you know, you want to come in and uh, grow something that we grow in our own orchards here. You know, we have wonderful lemons, limes, tangerines, Tangelos, all kinds of citrus here. And uh, whatever your dreams, come out and see us. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. The East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 26470 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And Monday through Saturdays, you can go see us at our big tree farm in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Whitfield Nursery, since my grandparents started in the 40s, and now for four generations, growing trees here for Arizona. On his future. And, uh, you know, Julia just said, looks like everybody woke up and called. So we better get right back to the phones. And, and I, I hope you all enjoy the music. I mean, sometimes we play a little bit more music on our show than, than most. But, uh, well, first off, we're one of the few shows that actually takes callers anymore. You know, so we are a live call show here. And we really appreciate all the interaction with you. And, uh, you know, it just so happens that the cast here loves music. What can I tell you? <laughs> we're kind of addicts. So we hope you enjoy it as well. Uh, let's see. Emory and Catalina, good morning. Good morning. I've got a question about a Quercus emery, uh-huh. and uh, it uh, is probably about 12, maybe 14 years old, but it's grown, it used to grow pretty thick, the foliage, and now it's really thinned out. You know, it's just the change in our weather patterns. You know, 10 or 14 or 15 years ago, they were the, you're the foothills of the Catalinas? Yes. Yeah. So, we, you know, we just had more monsoon, you know? And um, yeah. I can remember years ago when I, I guess when, once you're a wildcat, you're always a wildcat. But when I was down in Tucson, um, you know, we had an awful lot of rain and it just hasn't happened. So what you can do to really help your tree, it's just about once a month in the summertime. Give it a really good deep soaking and that'll make a big difference. Yeah, and I mean, the sand is pretty, I mean, it's pretty sandy soil, so I've added some clay to it. That'll help. And it just that will definitely help. But uh, once a month, a big soaking. Uh, and if you really want to help it, just give it a little shot of fertilizer, like a citrus food in there with it. And it'll go, oh, man, this is nice. Okay, so it's not uh, phosphorus and uh, iron. That's what they had told me in the past. Well, it could be some of that, but just a balanced fertilizer. It's mainly water. You know, but if you want to feed a tree here in the desert, if you if you leave out the nitrogen, you're leaving out the the basis of most of the fertilizer. Okay, so what was the uh, suggestion for fertilizer? Well, I, I would just use a balanced one, like a citrus food. You know, if you get like a, okay. a you know, it's, just a good balanced citrus food, sixteen eight four or something like that. Look for one that's got all the miners, so it should have iron in it and manganese, magnesium, uh-huh. and zinc, and most of those are pretty well balanced. If you buy an Arizona manufactured one, you'll probably get more of those items in it, 
and uh, that'll help. But you know, one, one or two shots of that with two or three extra irrigations a summer, it'll fill right back in. Okay, and uh, well, what would be the uh, volume? It's roughly about uh, a two-inch trunk on the bottom, inch and a half, and you know, five feet tall. So yeah, so you you, you you want to give it somewhere around fifty gallons of water extra minimum. You and know, then how much uh, citrus? Oh, on the citrus food on that? Kind of follow the label for the citrus food, but that would be probably about two cups. Okay, okay. spread out around there and water it in. So put your fertilizer there, spray it all in, then come back and water it in. Okay? Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Olivia and Casa Grande, good morning. Hey, good morning, uh, Brian. Good to talk to you again. Well, this Olivia, my old neighbor from South Phoenix? I sure am. Wonder yes, Woman's cousin? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We just saw her here uh, a few days ago. Hi, but Olivia. Anyway, uh, I have these huge pine trees. They're like maybe 40 to 50 feet tall. There's like 21 of them on this place where we moved over here. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering if you cut the top of them would they then widen out more? Oh, they're prop. Are they Alderica pines? Are they kind of growing like a Christmas tree shape? Yes. And do you have they're flood irrigation big. at your new place, Olivia? How do you water? Uh, yes, we flood irrigate like every two weeks. Okay. So, and, and are they grown close together? Uh, no, I eventually would like to put something between them okay. to uh, do a little more privacy because they're. All along the north side, the west side, and you know, and the south side. So there's a lot of them, and like I tell you, there's 21, around 21 of these trees. Okay. And eventually, uh, I hear you talk about those yellow bells, but I'd like to put something in between them to uh, maybe uh, block the the road a little bit more. Did, did you happen to buy that property from a guy who was in the well business? That was what? That was in the well business, used to drill wells? No. Okay, uh-uh. all right. It just sounds, sounds like a problem. No, it, it's any, a, it's anyway, a Olivia. Area. So what I would do is, is with the trees, if they're spaced out that far, I wouldn't probably top them. They're going to spread more with time. You know, okay. as as they get older, they're going to spread more and more. Uh, you know, and, and topping them, I, I wouldn't recommend it for pine trees. And as far as okay. growing in between them, um, you know, there's a lot of things that the traditional thing would be to do oleanders. Ole- oh, no, I don't like those. <laughs> okay. And, and, and sometimes we'll run a horse out there in that little areas, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, not oleanders. I'd like something that I wouldn't have to trim a lot. Well, you know, the other plant you could plant in there and just kind of let grow would be jojobas. And jojobas, you know, the the native plant that grows here in the desert, it's really a nice gray color, which would contrast nicely with the pine trees. And if you let them just grow into a full natural bush, they'll get 10 or 12 feet tall and and be full and easy with really no care. Okay. With hardly any care, and you don't have to trim them a lot. Right. You know, and another thing you could do is you could grow olives in there if you wanted to, too. You could just plant say, plant smaller olives in there and let the olives just grow as a hedge plant in there, and they would work very yeah. well, Olivia. 
Uh, which one of those two is the messiest, though? Uh, the olive tree more well, the, 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 the well, no, they're they're both fairly clean. You know what? I'm going to put you on hold. I'll, I'll take you off the air, okay? Because we're running out of time. Okay, thank you. Hold on a little bit. Helen and Christine and Joanne, I'll take you all off there as well. Appreciate all the calls today, folks. And, uh, you know, Memorial Day is one of those times when it's hard to admit that, you know, that unfortunately people have to make sacrifices, you know, for our good. And uh, we've had a lot of brave men here and women that have made sacrifices here for thousands of years, you know, starting with the Native Americans who defended their land and for us who defend our land. And now we see what the Ukrainians do to defend their land. And it's it's sad that we have life the way it is, but it takes the defense. It takes people standing up for their own rights, their own thoughts and their own values to preserve life here on the planet. We appreciate all of our forefathers, uh, whether they be Native Americans, Europeans, Spaniards or just others who have came here and helped defend us. We've had, you know, people here and we do with more diverse city here in Phoenix than we've ever had. And it certainly is nice to see it and wonderful people here we enjoy. Enjoy your family. Hope you have a good holiday weekend. We'll be back next Sunday with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here on 92.3 FM KTAR.